Welcome to MIA 2K, your ticket from Miami to Seoul. We're Kathy and Laura, and we're so happy you could join us today. You probably know us from, just kidding, you don't know us yet. We're just two Miami girls with obsessive fandom tendencies who fell into the inescapable void of Korean entertainment. And we're here to share our insights and spill all the tea only grown fans like us can enjoy. We've done all the research and acclimating so you don't have to. Before we begin, please make sure you're following us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you love visuals like us, you can watch us on our YouTube channel. We drop episodes with our hot and sunny takes every week. Hello, guys. So today is the official unofficial anniversary of K-pop's inception. We are celebrating by giving her a whole personality. I just blew out the candle, so I'm going to light it again uh, <laughs> because I'm so nervous that the air coming out of my mouth when I just speak is uh, causing the fire to be extinguished. So that's very that's RM that. of you. Very RM of me, totally. So we're giving her a whole personality and celebrating her 30th birthday. Keeping with the Korean naming standards of uh, last name going first, and then the first name, we're going to name her King Poppy. Woo! I'm about to sing happy birthday and I'm sorry. Happy birthday, dear King Poppy. Happy birthday to, to you. To you. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So with that, I wanted to show for those that are watching and not listening only our decorations. Yeah. I have a little crown that says happy birthday. Laura went all out. <laughs> My back says dirty 30 because yeah. she's turning 30. And I made a cup sleeve for my beer. This That's is how you do it. <laughs> well, I just have the backdrop uh, and I went and I bought myself a Sunday and I had a candle and that's about as much effort as I managed to put in for our girl King Poppy today because work and priorities <laughs> and things, but we uh, are still celebrating her. So hope she appreciates the efforts. Honestly. <laughs> So as we mentioned earlier, basically today, April 11th, is widely considered as the beginning of K-pop, and that's why we decided to drop this episode today. I think it's crazy that the majority of idols that we stand are from the third and fourth gen, and basically they never lived in a world without K-pop. They are younger than King Poppy, so it's, that's wild to me, honestly. Yeah. King Poppy is older than Jin, and I'm not okay with it. <laughs> also, just by a few months, it's not that bad. I mean, it's like a lot of months. Like, I'm <laughs> my birthday's in December, and I don't think I'm the same as somebody who's born in April, but maybe that's just me wanting to be younger. Um, <laughs> so, King Poppy is an Aries, and from what I looked up online, it makes sense because she's energetic, she's bold. And she's her own cause of turmoil. I'm talking about the really toxic relationship between K-pop idols and K-pop fans, especially, you know, the crazy fans that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm personally attacked by Aries all the time. So this gives me a little bit of a triggering situation, but I'm going to ignore it just because hey. K-pop has brought so much good to my life. So. You have one friend who's a really good Aries. I do. I 
do she's she's not a typical aries uh so she let me let me pretend that k-pop is also or king poppy also has redeeming qualities it's funny because we actually recorded an entire episode actually a few episodes when we first started the podcast that we hated uh they will never see the light of day they'll never air and we, in those episodes, cover the beginnings of K-pop and all of that from a historic standpoint. But now that we've more found our groove, uh, we're here to do justice to the topic. So let's keep celebrating our girl, King Poppy. And let's start with some really brief history, just covering the main points. So K-pop, as we know it today, is credited to have been born with the formation of the group Soteji and Boys in 1992. Soteji was an established artist at the time. He was into rock and heavy metal, but he wanted to try something new. And then he made a group with, and I'm sorry for butchering the names that I'm about to say, Yang Hyunsuk, who is fondly called Papa YG because he ended up founding uh, YG Entertainment. He was a dancer at the time. So then they also met up with E. Juno, and he is also a dancer. So that's how they formed the group between the three of them. Yeah. So it was basically Sotaji as a lead singer and songwriter, and Young and E as backup dancers, vocals, and choreographers. Their debut song, I'm going to butcher this, Nan Arayo, mm-hmm. premiered on April 11th, 1992. And that's why we're here today. Pretty much. <laughs> Thanks to these three men. That song, again, not super sure how it's pronounced. Nan, Narayo, something like that. When I listen to it, it sounds like every 90s hip hop song, kind of like everything that came out of the hip hop scene in the 90s. It's very similar to that. The music video style also matches what we were seeing in the West. They, they definitely took their influence from all of that. And we will play you five seconds of it. We'll insert a clip right here, hoping not to angry the copyright gods and, and so you can get a feel for it. So now that we showed you that, isn't it wild that this dude just wanted to try something new? And here we are, 30 years later, having our lives wrecked on a daily basis, <laughs> following like basically like a cult of boy bands and, and girl groups because of this one dude's like, let me experiment a little bit. <laughs> it's like we're spending all our money just because <laughs> this one guy said, yeah, let's let's do this. Like. It's yeah. crazy to me when I look when I saw them, it, they reminded me of like the new kids on the block. Um, totally. The only thing is not very familiar with new kids on the block songs, but at least with Sotoji and boys, their songs had like messages and they covered like serious topics, which was pretty cool, especially at that time in Korea. When before that, all the songs were basically just trot and they had to sing about Korea as a nation. And they couldn't just be about anything. So also cool fact, maybe not that cool. <laughs> they retired at the height of the career, which like kind of props to them, but also like they could have probably done a couple more years. It's a cool flex because, yeah. you know, leaving on your own terms. And then again, YG ended up founding right. his entertainment company. So he's doing just fine. But it's definitely 
a lot of artists and TV shows and things like that tend to overstay their welcome. That's true. Grey's Anatomy. So <laughs> uh, it's really good for people to know when they want to end something. So that's true. The good thing is everyone across the board pretty much unilaterally is on the consensus that Sotegi and boys deserve their flowers for being the birthers of King Poppy. And now there are two major talking points that can quickly summarize the past 22-ish years of her life. So we know about the big three, question mark now four-ish, maybe not, depends I mean, on who you ask. We're not, we're not trying to start this fight. We're just, you know, kind of uh, saying some facts, but the big three are the big three companies or agencies or labels that churned out all the popular K-pop talent from the first few generations of K-pop. So the YG Entertainment, as we mentioned earlier, they launched Big Bang, Blackpink, Icon, Treasure, Winner, among others. SM Entertainment launched Super Junior, Shiny, Girls' Generation, EXO or EXO, NCT, Red Velvet, Espa, among others. JYP Entertainment launched Twice, ITZY, Stray Kids, Nmix, I think it's pronounced. It's not Nmix, right? I think it's Nmix. Nmix, among many others. And then the fourth one, which now basically can outshine the other three by itself, is Big Hit, Turn Hype, which launched little little ag known as BTS, uh, Tomorrow by Together, Seventeen, and Hypen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, groups span four generations. We are currently in the fourth K-pop generation. Most groups that are active now tend to be from the third and fourth generation, though there are some that are still active that debuted in the second generation, Shiny, where you at? But uh, most groups that are top, top are third gen, and that would be BTX, EXO, GOT7, NCT, Blackpink, Red Velvet, Twice. And some of the big contenders to rock this current fourth generation would be Stray Kids, ATs, Tomorrow by Together, Espa, ITZY, Kepler, and NMIX literally debuted like two seconds ago. And one that could be pretty good is Extraordinary Heroes, but Mm -hmm. they dropped the one song and then they disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a really good good song. song. Yeah, it was. It was. (laughs) We'll see what JYP has them up to right now. I don't know. So yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning, we are not really going to participate in this debate of the big three versus the big four. In theory and just factually speaking, the big three is referred to as the companies that back then launched all the talent that was able to actually make it out and be successful. So technically speaking, it doesn't really make sense to say the big four just because hype came into the fold because the big three just refers to a term in time. Right. Uh, but today things have changed and now hype is such a big player that people have considered either knocking one of the three existing ones to put Hive in the picture or just moving and saying the big four. So whatever your preferences is fine. Yeah, whatever whatever tickles (laughs) your pickle, go with it. We're not going to judge, but we're just saying that those are the facts. Let's talk about the four of them and what's going on today now that we cover the history a little bit. So the first thing that's interesting to me is that when I first started watching K-pop or consuming K-pop content, 
I don't know why I assumed or I felt like all the big labels were going to be in big rivalries with each other and they basically would like not acknowledge each other or not have their artists acknowledge artists from other labels but it's not like that at all there's a lot of crossover going on in k-pop and it doesn't matter what what label you're from you are allowed to and sometimes encouraged to interact one of the things that came with my comment of i thought that they were kind of against each other but they're not they're so not against each other that now they're actually partnering on things. So for example, YG and Big Hit have partnered in the past year and now YG artists are in Weverse, which is the app that Hive artists have been using to communicate with fans and their merch sells through the Weaver shop. So YG said, capitalism, here we are. And shipping prices, here we are. And on the other hand, JYP and SM are also joined forces. They use the same communication app as well. And I'm sure there's other things that I'm not privy to, but I always found it interesting that now there's, you know, the big three or big four now are on a 2v2 situation. So we will find out what comes from that. And then general opinions on the four of them. I think management companies in Korea in general um, engage in a lot of problematic policies or they didn't necessarily earlier have the artist's mental health and overall health as a priority. Some of these companies have really done their artists wrong. Some of, you know, they also do things right in a lot of uh, situations. So just like a quick pro-con list for all of them. JYP is one company that I have a hard time finding like what they do right. And that might be because one of the people that introduced me to K-pop constantly sends me like JYPP hatred things. So I don't have the most positive opinion, but I do have to say that JYP got it right when it came to Stray Kids and letting Bangtan handle everything, even if he screwed them over during the filming of the reality show and like permanently traumatize all of them for ratings and views but it is what it is so yeah jyp i think can do a lot better and the way that he handled god seven was horrible and tragic and it's unfortunate that everything ended as they did but the other good thing i guess i have to say about uh, jyp is that all the artists that leave jyp leave in really good terms and they i don't know they they have a good policy for people who want to leave so that's that with them yg has a trouble history with how they handle groups in general. The way that 21 disbanded was absolute trash and they really should have done better. They owed their artists more than for them to find out they were disbanding through media. And that's unforgivable. So, you know, CL deserve better. All of the girls deserve better. But... Uh, YG does have a lot of great talent and I think that they're trying to get their shit together this year they're they're bringing out some really great groups they're putting out some really great content they're trying to make Blackpink come back and be stronger than ever so hopefully they improve especially with the partnerships that are like going on go ahead and I I mean I I do like to point out that at least with Blackpink it seems like they have a lot of freedom that a lot of these other groups might not have. Like right. you see the Blackpink members going around the world, traveling, doing what normal celebrities do, you know? And also with Icon, I mean, Bobby had a child and got married. <laughs> within and the they didn't of like kick a month. him out. 
Yeah. And they didn't kick him out and they didn't do anything. They didn't really make too much of like an apology. It was just kind of like, sorry for not telling you earlier, but here it is. Congratulations. Bye. The baby was just born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. nice. And then SM, I think there's two sides to everything. The fact that three of the EXOM members sued SM for neglect and all of them got injured repeatedly and they didn't have time to heal between injuries and all those things says a lot. I actually was kind of against supporting EXO just to not support SM from that perspective. But on the other hand, SM has arguably some of the longer uh, reigning groups in K-pop, Super Junior, Girls' Generation, Shiny, they're all still around. And I know Super Junior kind of went out on their own, but they're still shareholders. So I think that's a way that they keep the members happy throughout all the groups. That's, it's sus. It's sus, but it is what it is. And they do the whole like SM Town Live, the, the show that they do at the beginning of the year. They did that right. I was so impressed by everything they did for the show, having uh, all the songs captioned and everything in English showing all the artists with their names in the bottom of the screen, making it a free broadcast. It was seen all over the world from every account you could think of. They really did that one right. So I think they, and the fact that they're trying to get into like the newer generation with FX and things like that. I think that they have a lot of good things and strategy putting forward. And with Hybe, they created BTS and will forever be thankful for that. I think one of the things that I've seen from Hive that I haven't seen as much from other companies, and it might just be lack of exposure. I'm not saying that they don't do it, but Hive really seems to prioritize their artist mental health care. And when BTS, for example, during one of the BTS run episodes, or actually during a few of them, when they put the members in charge of, let's say, producing their own music video, or they have to produce a show, everyone has a task that is kind of similar to whatever the staff does uh, on site for them. And it's been funny that the members automatically go, okay, who's handling mental care? So it seems like they're emulating situations from their everyday life. So if that's the truth, then on set, oftentimes there will be someone who can help them get through a getting stuck on something or just having a bad day. So that to me means a lot, especially because just mental health is a big uh, issue in this day and age. So that's what they get right. But what they get wrong, very wrong, is the money grabbing cash cow, just grubby capitalism with their prices for merch and shipping on their stores. It's ridiculous. I think they're taking such huge advantage of the fact that people will buy anything that is BTS related. And they're trying to charge you double shipping for putting two items in your bag that weigh less than six ounces. And you have to pay $67 for it to come from Korea. Like the math yeah. is unmathing. I agree with everything you said. Um, I specifically know a little bit more about Hive because, you know, we're more into BTS. But for Hive, I think there's a lot of shit, obviously, that we don't know. But you don't obviously. get that big without being a little sus. <laughs> like, 100%. I just, I just wonder, like, what we don't know actually about all these companies like if we know the bad things about the big three yeah and they're pretty bad imagine what goes underneath like I, it just kind of blows my mind but also 100%. genius in a way yeah <laughs> it, like you said it, if you if it, you don't get to that point without stepping on some toes it is what it yeah. is 
And since we talked a little bit about the big companies, we also wanted to mention the smaller ones. Uh, we're just going to talk about two in particular, because if not, we could go on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the companies that we wanted to talk about was KQ. They're the managing company of ATs. ATs is their only idol group. It's They started not really thinking they were going to debut an idol group. They just started to manage Block B, which is a group that Zico is in. But then apparently our little leader, Hung Jun, wrote them a letter saying, hey, I want to be part of the company that Zico is in. Here's me and all my talent. And they're like, oh, wow, maybe we should start an idol group. So they did. <laughs> they actually have a partnership with Sony Music Entertainment Korea, which I think maybe how they're able to do a lot of the things that other smaller companies might not be able to do. I mean, ATs is pretty young and they've gone on two world tours. Their music videos are, they look pretty expensive. Like they, they, it looks like they have some money backing them up. And aside from that, from like the interwebs, (laughs) all the gossip says that, you know, they treat their idols pretty good. Um, Before they debuted, ATs came to the U.S. for like dance lessons The members have said in interviews that their dorms are pretty big, that they don't have a money limit for food. They can buy and eat whatever they want. And they do have some freedom in creating music. Hong Jun and and Mingi are pretty involved when it comes to the rap. And so that's kind of nice, you know? And they don't just have freedom with music. When it comes to 80s, they seem to be one of the groups that enjoy a lot of other freedoms. Like they don't have a dating ban. They don't have a tattoo ban. The only ban they have is Sam can't jump around because he's a fucking crazy person. Uh, but I think that that also shows the level of respect and just like being grounded that this company has when it comes to the idols. It's much more realistic. Right. When I tried to look for like bad things, I couldn't really find anything super juicy. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, they're doing pretty good. I mean, and then the next one that we wanted to talk about was Starship because of Monster X. They manage Monster X and we love Monster X. Right now, they also have Gravity, which I think debuted like maybe last year or something like that. One of the things that I don't like about Starship is they are really hit or miss with their promotions. They're either really good at promoting or really, really bad. I'm looking at you. I am's first solo album. Like that man got like a video and that's it. Like there was no promotion, no nothing. Like it was just weird. Their English album, they, they, they went, they went all out, which I mean, I guess it makes sense, but like, it's just very hit or miss, you know? I wish they were a bit more equal in their promotions. They also seem to overwork Monster X. They have a comeback. It feels like every two weeks. Like, it, it, when do they like, they I don't, don't know, chill. Like, they, they don't. don't. Like, it's, it's too much. I do like the fact that they do seem to have some control or some creative freedom over their music. I know Juhani is very involved in producing and writing and, and creating the music for them. So that's kind of nice. But in general, it seems to be that Starship is just one of those that like, it could be worse. <laughs> I mean, Mombebe is notorious for calling Starship Starship. So that's that. And the whole thing of like, let me cover the Starship 
logo in the back when Wono yeah. does dance practice so we can pretend that he's not in the building is like, mm, that, I don't know, that, sis. I don't know. Mm-mm. That mm. is actually very questionable. But but you know what? I'm happy in a way that at least that's what they did and they didn't just kick him out. Yeah. Right? Like they could have just kicked him out. Yeah. So at least like, yeah, that whole issue was really questionable and I'm still not quite sure as much as I do research I'm still not quite sure what happened there or what the true deal was but at least they didn't make him just completely like yeah get out of the industry there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to monster x and a lot of tea and a lot of conspiracy theories and things that we don't know like it seems like one was gonna be the leader up until like the night before and then they're like no never mind it's gonna be shown like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of shady, sketchy things when it comes to Monsta X and how they've gone to the point where they are today. But we love them because they've gone through a lot and they are yeah. so, they're such hard workers and they deserve every good thing that they get because they really put everything into everything that they do. And with that, like the way that they don't really seem to say anything too, too shady about the company. And I mean, well, I, I don't know if Wona could have just walked away from Starship when he decided to go solo. But I mean, he's still with them. There has to be something that we don't see. And that something might actually be the percentages, the money. So we find this super, super interesting. Obviously, there's no way to corroborate this. Like, this is just what we found in the interweb. Don't quote us if this is wrong. Like, this is just what we found. But Starship actually has some of the more equitable, fair. Yeah, equitable, fair, more like artist splits. Splits, right? So for example, for like physical sales, 80% goes to the artist and 20% goes to the company. For overseas promotion, which Monster X does a lot and so does Wono, 70% goes to the artist and 30% goes to Starship. So that seems a little bit more towards the artist and not the company. So maybe that's why they keep on keeping on, right? Another one that's kind of interesting and absolutely trash. Cube. Well... (laughs) I was actually going to say for physical sales, 5% goes to the artist, 90% goes to the company. That's questionable. And for events, 60% goes to the company and 40% goes to the artist. So that's kind of weird. I mean, maybe the older groups, because they have shares, it's a little bit different, but that just seems, ugh. Also, SM, please stop playing and bring Lucas back already. It's been time. Honestly, uh, another one that we wanted to talk about, obviously, was Big Hit. Okay, so for example, Big Hit for their physical sales, it's split 50-50. For, for events, it's also split 50-50. And for overseas, it's 70 artists, 30 company. So from what we've been seeing, honestly, the more international work that they do the better it is for them and yeah Fletus home of 17 (laughs) and Woozy I love him their percentage distribution is also pretty trash Mm -hmm. uh physical sales 80 for company 24 artists anyway 
I hope we're not the only ones that find this super interesting, but the way that it now makes sense that some of these artists are not able to pay off their debts, especially if they're in smaller companies, makes a lot of sense. Like if they're- We haven't talked about this in any episode. So if anyone's listening that is not aware, for the Korean entertainment agencies, when they're putting together groups, what they do is they scout and they hold auditions and then they get trainees. And then those trainees spend X amount of time training while also in school because they're very young and they sleep in the dorms and everything so basically the company pays for everything that has to do with them their food their trainings their lessons all the things and then once they debut those first few years whatever income comes in is used to pay back whatever the debt the artist incurred while they were a trainee which is estimated at this point to be about three million a person three million dollars not one it's a lot of money so if imagine just being an artist and if your group is not super successful right away, how long does it take you to pay back until you either disband or whatever? Not every group becomes as successful as BTS or any of the other groups that make it big. And there's groups like, for example, Ladies Code that debuted the same year as BTS in 2013. They never officially disbanded. They just kind of parted ways because of an unfortunate accident where two of the members passed away. But while they were in the in the group and making music, none of them ever made money for seven years. None of them. They only had a stipend for food and that was it. So that's the kind of situation that trainees and artists are in. And that's why Laura mentioned the whole thing about getting that money paid back. So that's K-pop trainee 101 finance situation. And uh, since this is a birthday party, we can't just talk <laughs> about our jobs. <laughs> We're going to play a little game. We're calling 2020 versus now 2020 because that's the year that we uh, both got into K-pop. So we'll switch off between Kathy and I saying a thing or a phrase and we'll each give our 2020 opinion and our opinions now. So with that, I'll start makeup on men. Kathy in 2020 was not about this level of makeup on men. And now I'm just like, on one hand, I'm I'm just kind of happy that there's a quality and that, you know, the men are suffering just as much as women are on the makeup chair at all times. And I'm just like, oh, that's a manly man. At the, despite the fact that they can't grow any facial hair, they probably had laser hair removal. They do their eyebrows better than I do mine. And they, yeah, their makeup is just incredible. So that's, I, I definitely have whiplash from my change of, of mind in this one. So 2020, I thought men should wear less makeup than I do. And I think that just goes back into the Latino machismo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I, I mean, it can be really sexy if done right. If it, if it's done wrong, like you've pointed out multiple times with Monster X and their maroon lipstick, it's terrible, but overall, yeah, it's sexy. And the eyeshadow too is very heavy handed. So Oof, it's pretty bad. <laughs> now, Laura, how did you feel about bowl cuts and mullets in 2020? And how do you feel about them now? <laughs> so in 2020, all I could picture when I saw when I heard bowl cut was like a mom going with an actual bowl and just cutting their child's hair. And then a mullet, all I could think of was like middle of America, redneck. No, no. <laughs> Just no, just no, 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 no. Now my children will have bowl cuts and mullets. And you know what? Hung June in that like literal like space helmet thing. Delicious. 
Jin in his current mullet time, absolutely perfection. So, I mean, I think that was a big change. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still... I think the bowl cut thing works on certain faces. I don't know. In 2020, I was not for it uh, at all. Bowl cuts, no. Mullets, Joe Dirt, no. Like, that's what I think of when it comes to a mullet, like, or thought of when it comes to a mullet. Now, JB and a mullet can have me on any surface. Like, it is ridiculous the way that now i'm just like wow that sexy ass mullet sugar right now with that hair length at the grammys with the, like it just has like the little sweep up at the end oh my god it can wreck me so <laughs> tiny little minuscule change <laughs> okay so moving on to crop tops on men <laughs> 2020 kathy what did you think <laughs> um no, <laughs> it was my general answer to that. No, what is happening? I mean, even let's let's be honest. There's a debate of like whether some women have the bodies to wear crop tops or not. So crop tops were an item of contention here for so long. I actually wore them a lot to Zumba. Uh, so I'm a I'm a crop top fan myself. But now on men, it's a great idea in my opinion because Bang Chan will not stop wearing crop tops and I don't want him to. And since they have their whole, like, let's pretend that we're conservative and let's pretend that we are trying not to show nipples on TV and let's pretend that this is wholesome. So we're going to put all the men on crop tops so they can show their abs. And it just makes sense. It really does. So for me in 2020, I didn't even know that was a thing on men. Like I didn't know crop tops were a thing in men. Now, if Kai, Bang Chan, and Shonu never <laughs> wear anything but a crop top. I am so okay with that. Like 100% backing it up. This is it. And don't forget Temin for advice. Oh, Temin. Oh, I miss Temin. Temin, we miss you. We love you. Adorable baby cheese. Oi. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. And with a bralette. Like, and oh my God. Bralette. Bralettes. I'm yeah. like <laughs> Just incredible. Now, Laura, what did you think about light sticks in 2020? And what do you think about them now? I didn't even know what light sticks were. Like, excuse me, what would have been my answer? And then right now, like, can you even call a concert good if it doesn't have like some sort of light stick or like light stick adjacent trash? It, yeah, it's no, no. Like, what do you even do with your hands? Like, yeah. <laughs> In my case, before 2020, when I went, I went to the Coldplay concert back in 2016, and that was the first time that I, I wore and saw the effect of the flashing wristbands. And I was like, wow, Coldplay so innovative, kings of the world, they, they deserve everything, which can all be true, but they were not the ones that came up with this. And now, I mean, this was one of those things where, and I think this is 99% of the list, but one of those things that I had no choice but to stand because of you, because you were the one that pushed me down the rabbit hole to get all three of the light sticks that I own right now. But Carlos Vives, no light sticks. Like, I don't need I was that in my life. the same thing. It's like, what is this even? Like, yeah, like Bad Bunny now had like the flashing wristband thing and, and it's, it's getting to the US to Latin America. Everyone's kind of adopting it. So I think at this point, 
And we actually wrote a piece about it and you can find it on our blog, which we'll put the link everywhere. But yeah, I think now concerts that don't have that element are missing something because it just creates a whole added layer, not just for the fans, but for the artists themselves. Yeah, for sure. And then this last point as a Miami, as a Hispanic, as a Colombian, Venezuelan concerts starting on time. 2020 Kathy as an anxious person (laughs) let me start there because it's not even that I'm Hispanic (laughs) I'm anxious I'm someone who lives with anxiety and always thinking like I know they're not gonna start on time but I also don't want to miss something if I think that it's gonna start later than it does so I in 2020 didn't like that concerts didn't start on time I never liked it And I put up with all of the artists that started two hours late because we have no choice. And in Colombia, even later, you can start a concert at one in the morning in Santa Marta and that's normal. I'm not with that. That's not my program. So now that I know that BTS says it starts at 7.30 and it starts at 7.29 and 59 seconds, I live for that. That That is my kind of people. For me, I didn't even know that was a thing. That was as real as Santa. The best joke I've ever heard. In my current state of 2022, now, if we have a concert at seven, I look at the clock, it's four, and I'm like, Kathy, we're late. (laughs) Like, it kind of makes me more anxious. Like, I'm telling you. It just, the fact that, like, we have to be there exactly on time or it's, or we're missing something makes me, like, so nervous. Like, for P1 Harmony, we got there a little bit late. And we're walking into the venue around, I think it started at 7.30. We walked into the venue at 7.28 and it was still kind of empty. So I look over at Kathy and I'm like, this isn't starting on time. We get to our seats, 7.30 started. And it was like, but everybody's still outside trying to get merged. Like it was just, it's a little too much for me. <laughs> Speaking of P1 Harmony, quick side note, we're going to insert a picture here of Laura at the bar by herself, because since it was a concert for children only, that was a really good thing is like the bar was empty and we could go get drinks repeatedly without making a line. So shout out to that. Let's go to more concerts and things with kids that have a bar. I agree. Now that Laura and I gave our 2020 versus now takes on things, We're no fortune tellers, but it's obvious that our girl, King Poppy, is not at all interested in being confined to geographical borders, and she's been ready to be a true citizen of the world. So let's talk about what Laura and I foresee in the future of K-pop, especially now that it's becoming a big part of award ceremonies outside and all the things that are happening in the zeitgeist at the moment. To start with, we know that Hyde in this past weekend and next weekend, while BTS is doing their PTD on stage Las Vegas concert, Hive, Big Hit, and all the labels under, including like Hive Japan, Hive America, Pledis, all the labels that are under Hive are basically open to getting talent here in the States, whomever flew in for those auditions, plus all that they've been submitting. So we know that K-pop and the formula of how they produce K-pop idols is coming to the West. Uh, Also, SM announced last year that they were going to have probably a reality show, like a survival show, where they're going to form another unit for NCT called NCT Hollywood. So I think the US is about to have their next big pop band or boy group or whatever you want to call it. It's coming. For me, Hybe already 
owns the music industry pretty much at this point with their uh, buying of Ithaca Holdings. They pretty much manage some of the biggest artists in the world, BTS, Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, J Balvin. Like they're already up there with world domination. And and I think eventually, hopefully, it, it'll stop being called K-pop and it'll just be pop, you know? And Poppy is dropping her last name and she's not even married. <laughs> she's staying single. She doesn't um, need a last name. She doesn't. So maybe, maybe that'll be... Maybe not in this year or next, but I can see that happening in the near future. Because, I mean, if you think about it, K-pop, the only thing that puts it together is the fact they're Korean. But there's so many different music genres within K-pop. Like, there's R&B, there's actual pop, there's hip-hop, there's so many different genres that K-pop just seems kind of like, I don't know. It's old at this point. Yeah, pretty much. So now that we're on the same page about King Poppy's tumultuous past, exciting present, and bright future. Let's share what she means to us. Kathy, what does K-pop mean to you? So there's one thing that I hate as a Scorpio, and that is being wrong. (laughs) And my whiplash change of mind, change of perspective on K-pop was the biggest slap in the face and reality check to being wrong and being close-minded to something. I was not interested when you started trying to show me and it took a lot of persistence and a few months for me to actually get on board. So it just, it it serves as a reminder that even when I'm steadfast on a belief or when I'm just not interested in something, not even against it, just not interested, Uh, there's a big possibility that maybe it'll become the biggest thing in my life at some point. It also has become an escape. The way that a lot of people watch shows on Bravo or TLC or any other sort of reality TV as a guilty pleasure. I don't consider this a guilty pleasure at all. There's zero guilt associated with this for me. It's just my escape from the nine to five, from the day to day. And it's also my escape from the news. I used to be very focused on whatever's going on in the world and trying to stay informed, but I'm not like that anymore. I'm, I, I, I got to a point where it was too much. And for just my stability and my mental health, I decided not to really be as focused on the news. And this is now taking the place of that. And also not to say that I already know everything that there is to know about things in North America or the West or Europe in general. But I think with K-pop and with the whole world of Korean entertainment, they always make such a concerted effort to bring new things and just like have new content. So there's just something to watch all the time and something new. And and I think the past year has been hugely taste changing for me. It's like my taste buds change. Now, when I see content from here or anything, like people ask me like, oh, have you heard about this thing going on between these like uh, Latin artists and I'm like no I have no idea what's going on I don't care like I, I just don't care the the stuff that's going on in the Korean entertainment industry are much more exciting to me it's all truly been an actual cultural reset for me yeah I'm, I'm with you in the whole escapism I've always chosen or I always pick something to like escape to and you know when I was little I used to be reading books I used to come home from the library with like stacks of books about my size and k-pop has replaced in old life. It's just nice to have something comforting to go to when your nine to five is Mind not numbing. that great. 
Yeah. Or like you're just having issues or you hear a lot of really bad news and the world is crumbling as we speak. It's just nice to have something that isn't so serious. You know, K-pop isn't always serious and it's not meant to be serious. It's just meant to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. I, I, I do like that. I also like that I can say now that I listen to good music, like before I had a little bit questionable taste, but I mean, I still kind of do, but overall, like all of the groups that we listen to that are within the Korean entertainment, I can say their music is really good. So that's a little bit of a flex there. <laughs> and then one of the bigger things is friendships. Like, I think it has strengthened our friendship a lot. It has brought, brought us closer together. It has also opened our social circle to different people. Everybody is so happy to meet new people and make new friends. You don't really see that as an adult. Like, I don't know about in other cities, but in Miami, making a friend is hard. People don't ask are just... me about London because you know what else. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Miami and London, horrible for making friends. Like if you're not, if you don't have friends coming in from college or, or high school, it, it takes a lot of freaking effort to be friends. Like at one point at my job, I literally had to tell people we're the same age. We're going to be friends. I literally said that because if not, like people don't realize that you're trying to make an effort to be friendly, to make a friend, you know? So it's nice to see that everyone in this community, not everyone, but everyone we've met is so eager to lend a helping hand, start friendships. Like, it, it's it's nice. And I especially enjoy what it has done with our friendship. And I always feel super blessed that like, we can have this type of friendship where we talk literally every day and we don't get tired of each other. So it's nice because stuff. of all the new content that comes out. Because <laughs> right? <laughs> We have to talk about it. And then the fact that we're like 96% in agreement of so many things, it just makes sense. It really also, does. If you don't mind, I, I just thought of something yeah. that I, I think might be a little too vulnerable and, and like cheesy for people to hear, but it's part of like the reality. Last year was a really hard year for me in a lot of different mm -hmm. ways. And um, I had to have surgery. And then uh, first of all, Laura bought me the, the BTS like army bomb, the light stick. And she kind of jokingly was like, you can take it with you to surgery to like, you know, cheer you up and whatever. And then I actually did. And it, and it gave me something to distract myself on because surgery is scary. And yeah. at the same time, like uh, permission to dance dropped on the day of my surgery. So I was at, up at midnight watching the song coming out and I could focus on something else that wasn't the surgery again. And just like, I listened to the song on the way to the hospital. I had it playing because at the same time with COVID and everything, no one could be there with me. So I was alone for hours before and after the surgery. And like, it brought me a lot of comfort and not, not to make everything about BTS because it's not, I'm just saying like that particular day, it's not my fault. Permission to dance came out that day. Yeah. So that part, and also again, not to make everything about BTS, but Sugar had had surgery that uh, November before. And when I was just trying to talk myself through it, just like when I'm on planes, I'm like, people fly all the time and, you know, trying to calm my anxiety in that regard. I was like, Sugar just had a really crazy sh shoulder surgery that like, I don't know, major athletes have, and he recuperated and had his rehab and everything, and it'll be fine. And now I'm having surgery. So it might be crazy or whatever to think that a 30 year old woman is like, uh, recurring to these thoughts for comfort, but it brought that to me. So for me, it's really special. Like 
whatever you want to call it, fandom, 12 year old thing. And, and everything that Laura has said, like our friendship has blossomed through the things that we have in common. So I think there's a really beautiful element to all of this, whether people want to see it as a passing fad or as something for girls or something for whatever they want to see. I think it's really special to us. And that's all that matters. I agree. It's there for us when we need it. And that's mm-hmm. important. And you on, on your wedding day last year. Yeah. So like a little back on that. I got into K-pop basically the same year that I was trying to plan my wedding. <laughs> and, you know, COVID kind of was not very nice to weddings in general, to a lot of things. But, you know, when, when you're engaged and you're ready to get married, the wedding is important. I know it's not life or death, but but it is very important. It's an important thing, but it's also a super stressful thing. Weddings suck. They suck your money out. They're super stressful. I love them, but you know, they have their bad things. And the night before my wedding, I couldn't sleep. I was a nervous wreck. And as I'm just laying there, Jungkook goes on V Live and has this wonderful, like hour long V Live where he starts singing. And that was the only way that I fell asleep. I fell asleep <laughs> while listening to Jungkook sing. And that's how I was able to get at least two hours of sleep right before my wedding. So I think that's yeah. that kind of tells the story for real of what it means to us. Mm-hmm. So with that, we want to ask you, our listeners, what does K-pop mean to you? Let us know in the comments of this episode's Instagram post. We really look forward to seeing what you guys will write and share stories and make friends yeah and we'll be happy to join the comment section so please we're eager to respond to all the comments and dms if you don't feel comfortable sharing it publicly we're also happy to uh, have you guys slide into our dms and tell us what k-pop means to you because maybe you have a personal story like what laura and i just shared so uh we promise to keep it uh, anonymous if you don't want to share it publicly but we would love to hear about that from you and then we should also mention that this is actually the end of season one Laura and I have been going nonstop since December and this awesome project for us, which we love so much. We started with a list of ideas that we wanted to do for episodes that has kind of morphed into something else because we were, <laughs> we're doing things and learning as we go. And we're trying to stay on top of the events and things that are relevant for a specific t- amount of time. So uh, this is episode 15 and we've decided to cap the season here. We're going to take a very short hiatus about a month so we won't be gone too long you won't miss us that much but we will come back stronger we will work harder and we will come back and show you a different side of ourselves and we won't be going anywhere like you'll still hear from us on social but just know that there will not be any new podcast episodes coming out over the next couple of weeks or few weeks rather yeah we'll be we'll still be active on socials and but we're really excited to be able to take this break we have a lot of really good ideas for our next season things that will definitely improve the podcast and make it a little bit more interesting for you guys and for us so we're really excited about it thank you so much for listening we hope you continue to listen and stick with us on to season two And happy birthday, King Poppy. Happy birthday. Oh my God, I'm a woo girl. (laughs) That's a perfect ending. That's a perfect ending. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the MIA2K podcast. We have lots of great content coming up ahead. So please don't forget to follow and subscribe. 
to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you enjoyed our episodes, please rate us five stars. And for the real-time tea, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook by searching for at MIA2K Podcast. Dale! Bye!